again. Hi. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yes. I hope everyone had their... Tur- you know, I don't like turkey. I don't like stuffing. I don't like mashed potatoes. What? The, yeah, I don't you like don't any like of potatoes? that. don't like potatoes? I hate mashed potatoes. I do enjoy it in French fry form, but not not mashed form. I'm also not a fan of like creamed corn. Basically, I'm not a fan of Thanksgiving except for the cranberry sauce. Did I say cranberry? You did, and I was I had to I was like, you just put a cram as in you cram it in your face. Which I know everybody who's listening right now, none of you are expecting this as a surprise. Um, yeah. And you all probably have your food babies. And um, you know, we just wanted to do a bonus episode. Um, it's going to be less formal. So um I am presenting today. Hello. Uh, and I did less research than normal on this, one, which, which is still a lot. I know it doesn't mean much. <laughs> yeah, um, it's and crystal. We're, we're not really going to be editing the commentary out of this one. So oh, we will, I better try. watch it. <laughs> yeah, we'll try and stay on topic, but, um, this is going to be a little less, uh, I can't say formal because we're never formal. It's it's going to be a little looser than usual. Yeah, loosey goosey. Uh, not that loose, please. <laughs> I'll just be quiet then. You will not hear from me. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. I'll see you All later. Right. So, um, originally, you know, I had planned on this being a Thanksgiving themed episode, um, and then you know, I was thinking about it. I was researching. There are a lot of Thanksgiving crimes out there. Um, are there? There are a lot. There's there's oh. a couple of really gruesome murders. There's a couple of like ridiculous funny ones. And I was sitting here. I was like, man, I didn't want to do another compilation because we've done a few of those recently. Yeah. I wanted to do a case. I I didn't want to ruin everybody's appetite by sharing like a horrible gruesome murder. And, you know, I, I like food. I don't want to ruin food for all of you. I like food. <laughs> I decided to switch gears a little bit um, because I hate Black Friday, so I don't feel bad ruining Black Friday for all of you. So I'm going to tell you about a Black Friday murder. Oh, good. There you go. Yeah, it's coming out. I like this, it. This episode is coming out on Black Friday anyway. And um, Do you ever go shopping on Black Friday? I do no, not. No, because I hate it. I know. Same here. Same, same. Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody in here is Black Friday shopping, I mean, I hope you get those deals. I hope you're staying safe. Watch the chaos ensue in front of you and just listen to me uh, tell you this this murder story. So <laughs> I'm we'll, excited. We'll just kind of get into it. Shopping and murder, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in 2014, 31-year-old Ashley Harris was assistant manager at American Eagle in Hewlin Mall in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Um, the store manager was a man named Christopher Cravey, and mm-hmm. he described Ashley as a phenomenal employee. He said she was loved by everyone. He said that she was regarded like a mother of the store. Like, I think all of us can think of in our, our teens when we had like our first job, you can kind of think of the person who was like, yeah, yeah, they were mom. Yeah. And that's who Ashley was. 
Oh, okay. She actually even referred to her coworkers as like her quote unquote kids, which I think is Aww, really cute. That is cute. Um, so Christopher, store manager, was on medical leave in June of 2014. Okay. And Ashley was left in charge of the store while he was out. Oh, okay. 25-year-old Carter Cervantes was also an assistant manager and she was working as um, uh, like the assistant while mm-hmm. Christopher was out and Ashley was working as like the manager. Okay. Um, one of their coworkers actually testified that in her opinion, she thought that Carter saw Ashley as her direct competitor um, in trying to get the district manager's attention for a promotion. Oh, okay. So I I want to clarify. Um, Carter is female, and I know that's uh, typically a male name, but Carter is a woman. Okay. Um. So while Carter was working as an assistant manager, she ended up hiring her boyfriend, who was nineteen year old Clarence David Mallory, and he was coming in just as an entry level employee. Okay. On August 24th, 2014, Ashley came into work and noticed that deposits of almost $18,000 from the previous day were missing from the deposit box. Oh, okay. That's quite a bit of money to be missing. Yeah. Inside the box was the key for the box, and that specific key was assigned to a manager named Yasmin. Okay. But Yasmin didn't close the store the night before. Oh. Carter had closed the store the night before. But Carter had her own key to the deposit box. So it's just, it's weird that Yasmin's key was in the box. Yeah, that is weird. Um, After some questioning, Carter admitted that, okay, I might have left the back door unlocked. And so Ashley realized that that right there is an easy point of entry for a thief to come in. Mm -hmm. So immediately, Ashley calls loss prevention, Christopher, and the district manager saying, we have $18,000 missing. We need to investigate this now. Yeah. Meanwhile, another employee called the police to report the theft and also called Carter. So this employee was like, hey, Ashley needs you to come in here because we need, quote unquote, all hands on deck. Okay. In response to that. Carter said, I don't know what the big deal is because insurance can cover this. All right. Like not taking this seriously. You're a manager and you're not taking this seriously. That's kind of a problem. That is odd. So Christopher arrives to the store. Remember, he's on medical leave. I'd be pretty pissed if I'm coming in from medical leave. And when I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. So he and Ashley sit down together and they watch the security footage from the night before. At 1.14 a.m., a person walked straight into the store and directly to the secure lockbox. They used a key to open the box, took the deposits, and left. Oh. So they were wearing some kind of headgear. It wasn't really clear um, in the document that I read if it was a hat or a hood or a scarf. It was just some kind of headgear. Mm-hmm. And... They did not look up as they walked in the store. So this is and they walked directly to the deposit box. 
So okay. all of this is a very clear indication that this is an inside job. This person knows the store. Okay. Ashley, while they're watching this, immediately identifies the person in the vi- video as Clarence Mallory. Oh. And uh, later, the employee that had called Carter to say, hey, we need you to get in here. That yeah. employee also said, yeah, that's definitely Clarence. Um I'm going to keep calling him Clarence because he's a shithead. Okay. Um, He goes by David, but um, I think Clarence sounds ridiculous and he deserves that. So I'm going to call him Clarence. Okay. Christopher, store manager. There's a lot of names, so I'm really sorry if I'm redundant in reminding you who people are. But I am really bad with names and people. Same. So I just want to make sure that everyone knows who I'm talking about. Okay. So Christopher, remember, he's a store manager. He wasn't really aware that Carter had hired Clarence to work at the store. Mm-hmm. Usually that's not really that big of a deal, except mm-hmm. Clarence had been marked as non-rehirable because he had previously worked at an American Eagle in Amarillo. Okay. He should not have been able to be hired. Okay. They found out um, he must have been fired for some reason. Okay. They found out that Carter went and changed his name and social security number in the system so that she could hire him. Oh, why did she do that? Because she's shady. All right. Christopher also learned after reviewing more camera that Yasmin... Remember, her key is the one that they found in the deposit box. She had left her keys unattended on a table for five minutes. Five minutes? Carter was right there folding jeans when Yasmin left her keys unattended. So they are pretty sure that Carter took Yasmin's keys. Oh, man. So immediately, Christopher suspends Carter. Okay. And Carter's like, you know, I'm sorry. That's fine. She hands over her keys and she walked out of the store. No fighting, no argument. Just did what she had to do and left. Okay. One week later, Christopher called Carter and said, hey, yeah, um, we're firing you because you <gasps> left the store unsecured for leaving the back door unlocked. Oh, my gosh. And now Carter loses her shit. She gets super upset and she asks for the regional manager's number. She's like, I want his phone number. I want to talk to the manager. This isn't fair. Um, Christopher, later in the trial, testified that his personal belief is that Carter knew that Ashley is the one that had identified her as being connected to Clarence because Clarence is the one who robbed the store. Clarence had Yasmin's keys Carter had opportunity to take Yasmin's keys and Carter and Clarence were dating. So, Oh, okay. Christopher testified later that he, he was like, you know, Carter knew all of this. She knew that Ashley was the, the piece that put them all together. Okay. Christopher scheduled Clarence to work for three days in a row. Mm -hmm. And Clarence didn't call, didn't show up for work. So they fired him. 
Okay. This is a fairly standard practice. I actually know people who have been fired for this. It's job abandonment. Um, a lot of companies have a policy. If you do three no-call, no-shows in a row, you are automatically terminated. Yeah. That's what happened to Clarence. So now Carter and Clarence are both fired. Okay. So all of this happened in August. We are fast forwarding to Thanksgiving of the same year. Thanksgiving was on November 27th in 2014. Okay. Ashley went to a neighbor's house for dinner that night. They hung out. They had dinner together. And after dinner, the host packed up some leftovers for Ashley to take Uh because she was going to take them to her quote unquote work kids because she was working the Black Friday sale and she wanted to give them a Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, that's nice. So cute. Yeah. So Black Friday in 2014 was going to start at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving night. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but this has happened more and more often recently that Black Friday actually starts in the afternoon evening of Thursday on Thanksgiving. I hate it. I don't like it. Yeah. I've Yeah. Yeah. But yes, 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving is when Black Friday was going to start at American Eagle. Okay. Ashley worked until 3 a.m. when the store closed and she returned home at about I have seen so many different times. I've seen anywhere from 3.15 to 4 a.m. The judge's response to one of their appeals says 3.40. So I'm going to go with 3.40. Okay. But she gets home at butt crack of dawn a.m. on Friday morning. Okay. Ashley had a friend named Alexis who was actually at Ashley's house watching Ashley's dog uh, while she was working this weird shift. So Ashley comes home at about 3.40. She and her friend hang out until about 4.45 when her friend leaves. When her friend left, the friend said, Ashley locked the door behind me. Okay. At 6.56 a.m., that same friend received a missed call from Ashley. Um, She didn't notice the call for a couple of minutes. So she looked down. She goes, oh, I missed a call. Tried to call her back and Ashley didn't answer the phone. Oh, At 7.30 a.m., Ashley's downstairs neighbor was awakened by a loud scream and a loud thud on the floor above him. Oh, no. Uh, He said he could also hear uh, labored breathing, almost like somebody was laying on the floor right above him. So he was it's it's early in the morning. He was kind of woken up out of a, a dead sleep. He laid there for a second, kind of wondering what he should do. And I. I don't blame him for this. Like you just heard like the one noise. You're like, man, should I, should I call? Should I go upstairs and see what's going on while he's going through this? uh, He heard Ashley's door close. So he, he glances outside and he saw a black infinity with dark tinted windows. Um, It's a sedan driving out of the parking lot. So he kind of puts two and two together. He's like, okay, that's not Ashley's car, but that was her door. You know, one of her friends or her coworker must have picked her up to go to work. So he goes back to sleep. Or he tries to go back to sleep. Because before he's actually able to get back to sleep, his carbon monoxide alarm starts going off. And I know that this has happened to me. That in the middle of the night, you know, when the batteries are dead and it starts chirping at you. Uh Uh-huh. 
you know how when you wake up and you hear it like the first time and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. I got to yeah. find batteries. I got to get a ladder. I got to pull the mm-hmm. damn thing down. I can picture what is going through this guy's mind. So I bet he gets up and he's like, oh, I got to check the alarm. He happens to glance in his bathroom and there is water just leaking from his bathroom ceiling. Oh, no. And he goes, oh, shit. There must be a fire in Ashley's bedroom. So at this point, remember, Ashley's gone. Ashley left with her coworker to go to work. So he calls 911 to report, hey, there's a fire. I think there's a fire in my building. There's water coming uh-huh. through the ceiling. I'm pretty sure that's the sprinklers. He grabs all all I really saw was some personal items. So I'm I'm guessing phone, wallet, whatever. Yeah. Gets in his car and just moves his car across the street just to get it away from the chaos of the building on fire. Okay. Which is, I feel like, smarter than I am. Like, if if my building was on fire, I don't think I would have the thought to move my car. I would, I would probably go outside, but I don't know if I would think to move my car. I don't think I would. Yeah. So... One of Ashley's friends, uh, his name was Jeff, also lived in the same apartment complex, but a different building. And the sound of the fire alarms woke him up. Okay. So he kind of jogs over to Ashley's building where the alarm sound is coming from. And um, I'm assuming just to like make sure she was okay. It's his friend. He knows she lives there. I just want to make sure she's all right. Yeah. He made a note that he saw Ashley's pickup truck parked in the parking lot. So he knew she was home mm-hmm. and he heard a neighbor make a comment that they were like, oh, I think the smoke is coming from that apartment and it's Ashley's apartment. Oh, So Jeff, without even thinking, runs to Ashley's apartment and kicks the door down. Just kicks it down. Gold star friend here, right? Like, yeah. He thinks there's a fire. He's going after her. Well, yeah, that was nice. In an interview, I just, uh, I wish I had a friend like this. I don't know if I do. Um, <laughs> he said, quote, when I ran up there, my adrenaline is pumping so hard. I knew my Aww. friend was there and her animal was there. My natural Aww. instinct was don't check. Get the hell in there. Oh, that is nice. So cute. So he breaks down the door. He said that the apartment was full of smoke and sprinklers were spraying everywhere. Oh, wow. He yells for Ashley. He yells her dog's name. He doesn't hear anything. He tried to go into the apartment to get to her. But the amount of smoke, he had to come back out for fresh air. So then he goes and he tries to crawl in. He tried again. And a second time, he has to come out to get fresh air. It's just too much. Yeah. He's about to go in a third time. And the fire department gets there. Uh Uh-oh. So the fire department gets there. They go in. Fire Department Lieutenant Jared Pavlicheko. Pavlechko. There we go. Yeah. Arrived. um, And upon, like, neighbors were like, oh, we think there's someone in there. There might be someone in there. He goes inside Ashley's apartment. He's able to make it to the bedroom and he's able to quickly identify that the bed is the source of the smoke. It's smoke, not open fire. So he opens up a window 
and just to clear the air a little bit and he yeah. sees a woman at the the foot of the bed okay so his he's a firefighter he's supposed to help her out he grabs her arm to try and pick her up uh-huh and her wrists are bound with duct tape oh he checked for a pulse he didn't find one so he radios police and CSU to get there now yeah Meanwhile, across the street, remember the downstairs neighbor that moved his car, and he's the one who originally called 911. Yeah. At this point, seeing the firefighter go in, and now he's seeing police and CSU, oh, he yeah. realizes What's something happening? is wrong. Yeah. So he goes, he finds a police officer, and he's like, hey, 7.30 this morning, I heard a thud, I heard screams, um... And so he just, he tells them what he witnessed. Yeah, what he heard. Yeah. An arson investigator arrived at about 8.45 a.m. By that point, the fire was extinguished, so he was able to get in there. And he identified several different points of origin, not just one. Oh, wow. The bed, the closet, and unfortunately, Ashley's body. Oh, that's sad. Um, Also... The smoke detector had been pulled down and was tucked underneath the mattress. Oh, wow. Yeah. He ruled out all accidental sources and came to the conclusion that the fire was intentionally set with an open flame source, something like a lighter or a match. Yeah. Fort Worth police detective Jerry Cedillo arrived at 1022 a.m. Okay. Later during the trial... He said Ashley's hands and feet had been bound with duct tape. She had serious head trauma. Her throat had been cut and her body had been set on fire. Oh, that's awful. He had wanted to search inside of her truck to see if he could find any evidence in there. Uh But her keys couldn't be located. And in fact, her keys were never found. Oh, that's really sad. So various tips led detectives to look into Clarence and Carter. One of the sources I read said that uh, Christopher, American Eagle store manager, ended up at the scene of the fire. And one of the neighbors mentioned that he saw this black infinity uh, driving out of the parking lot just before the fire started. Okay. Christopher beelines it to a police officer and goes, hey, that car you're looking for, that's my coworker, Carter Cervantes. She drives that car. Oh. So police start looking into Clarence and Carter. Uh, they found DMV records linking Cla- uh, Carter to a black infinity, which matched a description of the vehicle. And it also led to the discovery of the two of them being suspects in that first American Eagle theft. uh, The one that resulted in both of them being fired. Uh, The police database also revealed Clarence and Carter only lived about two miles away from Ashley. So Detective Cedillo went to the address on file And they were able to visually see that, yep, Clarence's white Cadillac is here, 
but there's no black infinity. And the black infinity is what they're really looking for is they're like, hmm, we're just we're going to keep an eye on these guys. Now, this fire was November 28th at about 7 to 8 a.m. somewhere in there. Okay. November 29th at 2 a.m. Surveillance video from American Eagle showed someone with their face covered walking up to the door and trying to unlock the gate. What? Literally, like, the night after. It's 2 a.m., but it's the night after. Um, Christopher had changed the locks because he realized Ashley's keys were missing. Uh So this person couldn't get in. Whatever keys they had, they couldn't get in. Okay. At 3.45 a.m., the Black Infinity was spotted in the parking lot of um, the building where Carter and Clarence live. Okay. A couple hours later, the two of them, Carter and Clarence, get in the car and go back to the mall where American Eagle is. Clarence drops Carter off near the mall doors and then he goes to park his car. Okay. So detectives are looking for these guys. So they've been watching them. So Detective Cedillo calls dispatch and is like, hey, get a marked car over here to pull this guy over. Like, find something a reason and pull him over yeah so they do and the detective comes up to clarence and he goes hey um i'm part of a team that's investigating investigating some car burglaries in this small parking lot so uh what are you doing here at like seven in the morning like exactly are you at the mall and clarence goes oh um my girlfriend needed to pick some stuff up from aeropostale and i'm just i'd was helping her that makes zero sense he also says um you know if you want to check she's she's wearing pink scrubs like you could find her okay um they knew this wasn't true because the tail that had been following them was like yeah no she was wearing a hat and a gray sweatshirt not pink (laughs) scrubs while this detective is outside talking with clarence uh detective cedillo is actually inside the mall trying to find carter unfortunately he couldn't he doesn't find her okay i figured so the detective outside is like hey man i i don't want to talk here do you mind coming down to the station and just talking with me a little bit and clarence goes yeah sure let's go so agreeable thank you in the midst of all this 7 50 a.m so i think detective cedillo is kind of looking for carter Um, The other detective is outside talking to Clarence. Surveillance video from American Eagle shows someone coming up to the gate and trying to unlock the door again. Oh, weird. So Clarence and the detective kind of start pulling away from the mall and Clarence just changes his mind. He goes, you know, um, I don't I actually don't want to talk to you. Will you just take me back to the mall to my car? And. The detective is like, okay, um, so thing is, you don't have a driver's license on you, and I witnessed you driving on a public road with no driver's license, so I'm going to arrest you for that. Good. So they just, they arrest him, and they take him to the police station anyway. That detective was able to snap a photo of the Infinity. And uh-huh. he showed it to the neighbor who saw the car pull away. And the neighbor immediately was like, yep, that's the car I saw right before I called 911. Oh. 
So later in the day, police are still looking for Carter and they found her in her laundry room at her apartment. And they said, hey, um, we, we need to talk to you. Can you come down to the station with us? So she goes. And while speaking with her, um, they said, oh, you know, you you have a couple of scratches on your arms. Can we just take a couple of photos of those? Just record keeping, you know. So she's like, yeah, sure. And then they let her go home. And then they filed for a search warrant and they got it. So they execute the search warrant on their apartment. And there was, you know, those uh, large plastic, like the giant Tupperware that you store like your winter clothes in. Uh Uh-huh. They had one of those right by their front door. And it had bungee cords and rope and duct tape in it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This part. Um... There was a super conveniently labeled lock. It was a deadbolt lock and it was labeled lock picking practice lock. And that was also in the tub. Just sitting there? Yep. That is. There was also a quote unquote business type key in their kitchen garbage can. And this was actually um, like a dressing room key and a storage door key for American Eagle. Apparently Carter still had it. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Uh, They also searched the black infinity and they found like some standard stuff. That's not super worth mentioning. I don't want to go through the whole laundry list, but they found knives and boots and like a cell phone they also found a lock picking manual and another practice lock in the car. Okay. Uh, the front floor mat also sh- was positive for the presence of blood. Okay. Um, Ashley's autopsy revealed that she had been savagely beaten. Oh, that sucks. Um, Again, I mean, the list of her injuries is a, pay, a full page long. Oh. Um, she had lacerations, bruises, cuts, and scrapes to both sides of her head and face. Um, she had an injury on her left side consistent with being pistol whipped behind her left ear. Oh, she had sad. a superficial knife cut on her neck in addition to the large knife cut on her neck. Yeah. Bruising cuts and scrapes to her arms. Petechial hemorrhaging in her neck, eyes, and larynx. And uh, the cricoid cartilage in her larynx was fractured. Um, We don't really hear about this one often. Usually we hear about like the hyoid bone. Yeah. Um, So apparently this particular piece of cartilage is highly pliable and it takes a lot of force to injure Oh, really? Um, They usually see this in horrific car accidents is where you see injury to this specific cartilage. Okay. Um, The medical examiner said that the petechiae reflected strangulation, possibly with a cord or a rope around her neck. Oh, no. Um. A blood sample revealed there was no carbon monoxide in her blood, which meant she was dead before the fire was set. Oh. Her cause of death was ruled as asphyxia and blunt force trauma to the head, and her manner of death was homicide. Oh. 
DNA testing found that DNA on the floor of the mat of the infinity was Ashley and Carter. Clarence was okay. ruled out. Okay. Um, really? It, yes. Okay. There is, um, there was a lot of detail about everywhere they tested for DNA that um, if they were ruled out or ruled in as primary or secondary, uh-huh. um, I'm, I'm boiling it down here because like I said, this is a bonus episode. I'm not going super deep into the research. Yeah. yeah. Um, they found a Glock handgun under the driver's seat and there was DNA on the muzzle. So the top of the gun where you don't really touch uh, there was DNA from Ashley and Clarence there. So okay. think about if you were pistol whipped, that's that part of the gun is what would be striking you. Ouch. Yeah. Okay. Um, they also did some analysis on Clarence's cell phone and they found GPS coordinates. When they went to investigate these coordinates, they found a human sized hole in the ground oh my with, gosh. with shovels and rope nearby. Oh gosh. Yeah. Prosecutors uh their theory is that the plan was to kidnap and kill and bury Ashley in this hole. But Ashley, if you didn't catch it, she had very obvious uh defensive wounds on her arms. Um, she had bruising and scrapes on her arms. So I think prosecutors guessed that she fought back harder than they were anticipating. And they ended up killing her right there in the apartment instead of taking her to the second location. Oh, no. But think about this. The the hole was already dug. Oh, wow. Like, how how twisted is that? That is awful. So Carter and Clarence were tried separately. Um, in Carter's case, so I'm going to talk about them individually. Uh, the state waived the death penalty in, um, because they were going to be trying her for capital murder. And they just wanted to waive the death penalty to get it going. Yeah. She was found guilty of capital murder and she was sentenced to life without parole. She appealed her conviction because, obviously. Yeah. Um, and interestingly... One of her objections was about her counsel. So at first glance, this isn't so weird because how many times do we hear people appealing because of ineffective counsel? Yeah, seriously. That was not her complaint. Her complaint was that one of her lawyers, she had two of them, actually tried to remove himself and the judge denied it. So... Remember when we were talking about the case that will not be named? Yes. <laughs> and I mentioned that discovery in Texas is rough on defense teams. Okay. Well, Carter's defense team didn't receive 40 items of evidence from the prosecution until less than 45 days before the trial. Some of that, I think about eight pieces, came less than 30 days before the trial. Oh, wow. So the attorney asked for a continuance. He said, I need more time to look at all of this, um, all of the evidence. Uh, Uh And the judge said, no, you don't. You're fine. So the attorney said, "Okay, then I want to be removed 
because I don't think I can be effective counsel given this limited time. And the judge said, no, you're fine. I'm not. No. So it's weird here that Carter is specifically appealing not because her lawyers were ineffective, but because he wasn't allowed to remove himself. Jeez. Yeah. So in the appeal, they actually specifically say because Miss Cervantes is not questioning the effectiveness of her counsel, we're not even going to consider that. That's so weird. Yeah. But it makes sense if, I've never heard that before. Yeah, you only address the complaint that the person's giving you. If they're not complaining about it, you don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. Well, her appeal was overruled in 2018, and she is still serving life without parole. Oh, wow. Um, so Clarence was also found guilty of capital murder, and he was also sentenced to life without parole. For his for his part? Yes. Okay. So, He appealed his conviction, again, of course, on the grounds of insufficient evidence. And he said that Carter was clearly the mastermind. Okay. Uh, The ruling upheld the guilty verdict because this was really interesting. And I totally forgot about this, about capital murder. But the jury could find Clarence guilty of capital murder, whether he was the principal actor or only a party to the murder. So I don't know if most people know what capital murder is. It's a little different than an, a regular murder charge. Okay. Capital murder is um, just like I said, you can be guilty if you're only a party to the murder. So say, uh-huh. um, say I'm the getaway driver for a robbery. And while okay. you guys are in there, you kill someone in the course of the robbery and I'm still the getaway driver. I can be charged with capital murder. Because I'm a party to the crime that resulted in the murder. Oh, yeah. So he was saying that there's insufficient evidence to prove that he committed the murder. The problem is there was completely sufficient evidence to prove he was a party to the murder. So he's still guilty of capital murder. <laughs> so it really doesn't do anything. No, not at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> he, in the appeal, I I thought this was kind of funny that... Um, Clarence is trying to say that Carter was the mastermind and she committed all of this and none of it was me in the appeal. They were like, um, Ashley was about double the size of Carter and it doesn't make sense that Carter could, you know, like bind and strangle her given she was half the size of Ashley. So, (laughs) so we don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Jeez. Um, I also thought this was funny. I couldn't. I didn't dig into this, but apparently Clarence had a prior record in Louisiana for something. And most of the time, uh, prior records are not admissible in the courtroom. There are a couple exceptions to this. If the defendant takes the stand and they bring up their own past crimes, you can talk about whatever you want then because they have introduced it. Oh, really? The other exception that came up in his trial was that they tried to introduce his prior record and his defense attorney objected. Okay, fine. They bring up somebody. I think it was one of the police officers to testify. 
the police officer brought up his prior record. Uh-huh. And the defense attorney didn't object. What? Because he did not object to the testimony, his prior objection to the record is forfeited. And so at oh. this point, it's all fair game. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's um, this whole objection thing. So I I ran into this on the Darley case. It's called uh-huh. a running objection that I'd, I think I've seen before, but I didn't really know what it meant. Okay. Um, a running objection is basically um, this prior record thing is a good a good example. So the prior record comes up, and the defense attorney says, "I object. I don't want that in on the grounds of prejudice to the jury." Yeah. The judge says, "You know what? I'll I'll uphold it. We can't talk about this." The defense attorney goes, "I would like to request a running objection." What this does is that any time the subject matter is brought up for the rest of the trial, all of it is inadmissible. If he does not get a running objection and it's brought up again a second time and he doesn't object, his objection is forfeited. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh. Oh. His defense attorney did not get a running objection. Okay. So I just thought this was really interesting. I'm such a dork. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, you're totally fine. I'm like all excited about running objections. It's okay. You get excited about that. And I get excited about like graphic detail of an autopsy. So go for it. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) so Clarence is uh, also still serving life with no possibility of parole. And you know what? They deserve it because, yeah. Uh, they were trying to steal the, I think it was 40000 or $50,000 of Black Friday sales. Um, what? Yeah, that's that was the whole thing is they were stealing Ashley's keys because Ashley got them fired for stealing $18,000. So it was kind of a fuck you to Ashley for getting them fired. And well, that was a big F you like kind of a little excessive going and stealing a pretty big amount of cash. From Black People Friday. People get sales. greedy. Yeah. Get greedy with Black Friday. That's ridiculous. So I hope all of you who were standing in line at the beginning of this episode are now back at home. Yeah. Um, also, I don't want to say I'm judging you for Black Friday shopping, <laughs> but I'm, I'm like giving you the mom scowl. Right Silently now. judging. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the bonus episode. Um, nice. Well, thank you. you. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. What? Maybe we'll do one of our Thanksgiving ones next year. Is there another Thanksgiving one? Now I want to look up like Thanksgiving crimes. Oh, yeah. There are some pretty gruesome murders that are Thanksgiving Day murders. Actually, one of them is only loosely Thanksgiving, and it's one that I've wanted to cover anyway. So maybe I'll do that one soon. Oh, there you go. That'll be great. Yeah. It's still the holiday season. I got plenty of time. (laughs) It's the holiday season. All right. Well, thank you, Crystal. Yeah. No thank problem. you for that. That that was kind of a love story, too. No? No. The love of money. Uh, huh? Yeah, I guess. Okay. And I mean, okay. they went down <laughs> together. They were boyfriend, girlfriend. So they're oh, trying to be true. Bonnie and Clyde. I don't know. <laughs> Clarence. Oh, well. Man. Yep. All right. So Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And hope you enjoy your turkey and shopping and yeah cats yawning from food belly (laughs) 
<laughs> well, what food? I only like the cranberry sauce, remember? So, but but it's got to be like the crappy gel one from the can, yes, right? Yes, oh, I, good. yes. I was about I to find that. myself a new co-host. Although, you know what I do enjoy is um, afterwards, like a good old turkey sandwich with the turkey and cranberry sauce in it. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. good. So, yeah. Anyways. All right. I like food, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? I think Everybody everybody's realized food. we like food by how often we talk about <laughs> we the different talk about things food. we like to eat. Yeah, but. exactly. All right. Man, Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Yeah. And bye. I hope everyone had an extended one. Yeah. Oh, you said bye before me and That's I kept okay. going and now it's awkward. Okay. Let's just do it together now. Bye. Bye. Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week.